Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. And the names of the twelve disciples are these. First, Simon, called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanian, and Judas the Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Do not go into pagan territory or enter into a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go make this proclamation, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Joseph story is likely one of the first that we heard as children. It's one of the more accessible sort of human stories in the Bible. The problem, as with so many of these things, is that hearing them first as children, we can confuse them sort of with fairy tales or trivialize their import. Um, The Joseph story is quite frankly very adult, like pimping people out and then getting uh, money out of them and stuff is not sort of something we normally talk to children about. But, But much more profoundly, this is about establishing a nation. So we have the 12 sons of Jacob who are not super all by themselves. Even Joseph the hero is kind of arrogant. That's the problem, right? Um, Benjamin might have been nice. We don't know. They didn't bother to tell us. But, but the, the, the rest of them, they're all kind of a disaster. Joseph, through a series of events that reflect much more on God's providence than on Joseph's own wisdom or cleverness, winds up becoming the second most important person around. And, perhaps in part due to some genuine native cleverness, he manages to help Egypt and the surrounding regions avoid a famine. Unless you've been in the position where other people are talking about you and they don't know that you can understand their language, you probably can't quite appreciate the irony of what's going on here. But it's like that thing that my mom always used to do when she'd go to the salon or the nail place and she'd insist that they were always talking about her as though they had nothing better to talk about, mom. But Joseph does know what they're saying. He knows exactly what they're saying. And he has to hide his grief. He turns, covering his face, what it says in the Hebrew, because he can't let them see what he knows. Joseph is bringing the family back together. Because in the end, it won't only be the brothers and Benjamin who return, but Jacob himself. 
footnote, olive for your martini glass at your next churchy cocktail party. Two mummies show up in the Bible right at the end of this story. Jacob and Joseph, who are buried after the manner of the Egyptians. And if you go to the Holy Land today, to the tomb that is attributed to Jacob's, there are two bodies in there, mummified after the manner of the Egyptians. The thing is, this would only be the story of nation building were it not for the last chapter, that which we get in the gospel. Twelve sons, twelve tribes become twelve apostles. In fact, this motley crew, even more dysfunctional than the first set, are given a promise. You will sit in judgment over the twelve tribes of the house of Israel. If ever there was a crew who didn't deserve it, it was these twelve. And yet it's given them, and the early church, and in a certain sense, the ancient empire, recognized in these twelve something that had never been before. Everyone wanted to claim the presence of an apostle. The tomb of St. Jude in Armenia, he's not, most of them is not there anymore, but the tomb, historically, St. Jude's in Armenia, is guarded by Muslims because even they want to be attached to one of the twelve, 2,000 years later. All of the ancient churches wanted to associate themselves with somebody who had seen him, touched him, knew him in the flesh. And what they testified to when they went to the four corners of the earth wasn't simply a series of parables or moral stories. It was that in this one, who ate and drank and breathed and sweated just like them, they had met God himself. And they watched him die and walk around after. I think it's fascinating that in the life of the church, while the apostles remain pivotal, essential, central, most of us spend our devotional time with someone else. Someone that never did see him, touch him, know him. I don't think that discounts the role of the apostles in the life of the church, but it does give me hope because it means that what we do here really does accomplish the same. And we can leave here tonight sent just as surely as they were and make the same proclamation because we've seen it for ourselves. The kingdom of God is at hand.